This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayetzeh. Parshas Vayetzeh is a very rich parsha. In its 148 psukim, Yaakov builds the foundation of the Jewish home. He arrives, as we are told, in the very beginning of the parsha in Choron, and 20 years later, he has 11 sons, one daughter, and is about, and actually does, return to Eretz Yisrael. I always point out that Parshas Vayetze is stuma. Stuma means that there is not a single break in the text, meaning there are no paragraphs. From topic to topic, when we write an essay, Lahavdil, we have a new paragraph. The Torah Kedosha as well, when it goes from one topic to another, there is oftentimes either a psucha, whereby a new paragraph is indicated by the rest of the line being open, or a stuma. It continues on that same line, but with a space in between. Here, the entire 148 psukim are closed. And one possible reason for that is that the Torah itself is reflective and indicative of the status of the Jewish people. Namely, Yaakov is going into Galus. He's going into exile. He is one-third of the Jewish nation. Mommy, Daddy, and Yaakov. And therefore, the Torah itself is constricted. The Torah itself shows us that it is saddened by when Yaakov or in this case here, such a significant part of the Jewish nation goes into exile. I'd like to focus on the very beginning of the parsha, whereby the Torah tells us, Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva, listening to his mother, who basically said to him, run for your life, because your brother Esav wants to kill you, and he goes to Choron, listening to his father, who directs him to take a wife from one of his uncle Lavan's daughters, Leah or Rachel. Now, interestingly, how do we translate the words, Vayelech Choron? Does it mean that he actually went to Choron or towards Choron? In reality, you could translate it either way. It has a very significant difference, as we'll see in a moment. The Torah then tells us in verse 2, Vayifgat Bamokom, literally, he encountered the place, and Vayolen Shom, he slept or spent the night there, Kivo HaShemesh, because the sun had set. The Talmud in Brachos 26b talks about prayer, one of the three pillars of our uh, tradition, Torah, 
Avoda and Gemilas Chasadim, Judaism rests on these three pillars. And regarding prayer, the Talmud in Brachos 26b tells us there's a basic machlokes between the two Amoroyim. Namely, Rabbi Yossi Rebchanina taught Tfilos Avos Tiknon. The three prayers that we have, Shachris, Mincha, and Mariv, were instituted by the patriarchs. Avram institutes Shachris, and for each of these, a verse from the book of Bereshis is brought. Regarding Avraham, we are told, Vayashkem Avraham Baboker, Avraham rose early in the morning, El Hamokom to the place, Asher Sham that he had prayed before. This is after the destruction of Sodom, and Avraham, quote, goes back for more. This the Talmud attributes to the establishment of Shacharis. Yitzchak established Mincha, as the Torah tells us at the end of Parshas Chayesara, Vayetze Yitzchok Lasuach Basode Lifnos Orev. Yitzchok went out to meditate, and the Talmud explains it's more. It means to pray towards evening, which is the prayer of Mincha. And Yaakov institutes Tfilas Arvis, the evening prayer, in our parsha, based upon the pasuk Vayivka Bamako, and he encountered the place which the Talmud proves has a connotation of prayer. Interestingly, the Talmud gives a second opinion as to where do our prayers come from, and that is the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, who says that they are keneged tamidim, that our prayers correspond to the offerings brought in the Beis HaMikdash. Namely, our Shacharis prayer corresponds to the Korban Tomit Shel Shachar, the morning sacrifice that was brought on behalf of the entire nation, uh, paid for by the Machsis HaShekel, the half shekel that each and every Jew had to contribute. Every morning there was a Korban Tomit, without exception, Shabbos, Yom Tov, Yom Kippur, every single day. And therefore, our Shacharis prayer corresponds to the uh, carbon that was brought in the morning. Our Mincha prayer corresponds to the carbon that was brought, the Tamid, in the afternoon. Now, Ma'ariv corresponds to, says the Talmud, the Avorim and the Pidorim. It refers to literally those parts of the animal, the limbs and the fats of the sacrifices that were not consumed during the day on the Mizbeach, on the altar. They were parts intentionally left over for the nighttime, and those parts were brought on the night. I'd like to share with you a very interesting concept, and I urge everybody to make sure that they do not misunderstand the Talmud that I'm quoting. The Gemara in Brachos 27b has a dispute between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua as to whether or not the prayer of Ma'ariv, the evening prayer, is chova, is obligatory, or 
is it Rishus, which you would perhaps translate as optional or elective, but that is not the case. Tosvos on the spot immediately says it certainly doesn't mean that you can choose. I am in the mood, I'm not in the mood to dive in my riv, but if there would be another mitzvah, which would be overis, says Tosvos, a mitzvah which had to be done at that time, and otherwise that mitzvah would be lost, then you could perform that mitzvah instead of ma'ariv. In addition, we know that there is no chazoras hashats, there's no repetition of the Shemona Esrei at ma'ariv as we do by Shachrus and Mincha. And another interesting point. In the morning, if a person came to Shul late, the best reason makes no difference. If he comes into the synagogue and they're about to say the Shemona Esrei, you cannot immediately join with the Tzibur, the congregation. There has to be in the morning, Shachris, Smichus, Gu'ula, Litfila. You have to complete the last blessing after the recitation of the Shema, Baruch Hashem Ga'al Yisrael, and only then can you say the Shemona Esrei. Not so at nighttime. If you come late to Mayriv and they're about to begin the Shemona Esrei, you can begin the Shemona Esrei immediately with the Tzibor, with the congregation. Now why might Mayriv be treated with a little bit less significance than Shachris and Mincha? And why might it be somewhat short-changed. And I'd like to share one or two possibilities, and I believe a very important lesson emerges therefrom. One reason might very well be that the circumstances that surround Yaakov's praying of Mayriv are different than the circumstances by Avram and Yitzchak. Regarding Avram and Yitzchak, it's clear from the text that Avram rose up early in the morning to pray and institute Shacharis. Yitzchak went in the afternoon, as we cited earlier, to pray. This is something which they did habitually, regularly. Regarding Yaakov, it is very possible that the Talmud tells us, Yaakov already had come to Choron. Says the Gemara in Chulin 91b, when he comes to Choron, he realized, oh my goodness, did I miss the place where my ancestors, father and grandfather, prayed, and therefore, feeling saddened about that realization, God miraculously brings him back to that place and therefore note the text. The text says the second Pasuk in the parsha. he encounters the place and he slept there because the sun set. Rashi picks up on this immediately and says, wait a second, the order should be reversed. Because the sun set, that's why he slept there. God orchestrated, said Rashi, in quoting the Talmud, that the sun set prematurely. It got dark very quickly, 
earlier than it should have been. Why? Because God wanted Yaakov to sleep there, that he should have that incredible dream of the ladder and the angels on the place where the future Beis HaMikdash would be built. And so the first answer why Ma'ariv might be somewhat different than the others is that it chanced upon Yaakov. Yaakov wanted to Davi Mincha. It turned out to be Meirith. Or, one could argue, wait a second, what are the circumstances of Yaakov's davening Meirith? It is an ace Sora. Yaakov is in a time of crisis. Namely, his brother wants to kill him, he's running away from home. His nephew Alifa strips him of all his wealth. He's going to the unknown. He knows he has to find a wife, but he has nothing to bring, no dowry, no anything with him. And so Yaakov is in a very hard place. And therefore, Yaakov's prayer is a prayer of tzorah. And we don't want to make that necessarily a poster prayer for the future. And therefore, says Rav Hirsch, a very interesting insight. Not only can we say that Avram instituted Shacharis, and Yitzchak instituted Mincha, and Yaakov Mariv, but their very lifestyle reflected these prayers. Avram lived a life of Shacharis. His life was the sun rising. He was successful. God's promises to him came true in his life. Yes, there were challenges and tests, but he lived a life of Shacharis, says Rav Hirsch. And Yitzchak as well lived a bright life. Yes, the sun was setting already, or on its descent, but Yitzchak too had much in terms of not leaving Eretz Yisrael, in terms of, yes, there would be continuity of the family business of monotheism. He was a successful man. However, Yaakov lived and portrays a life of Mariv. Yaakov runs away from Esau, has to run from his father-in-law, Lavan. Unfortunately, next week we'll read about the problems he has with Dina. And then in two weeks we read about the problems that he has with Yosef. Yaakov is the Gullah's Jew. And therefore, of course, Yaakov is going to pray. But maybe our rabbis are showing us that the ideal prayer is not the prayer that a person prays only when they're in trouble. Just the opposite. Says the Talmud in the first chapter of Brachos, Hizaru betfilas ha-mincha. Be especially careful regarding mincha. You want to know why, my friends? Because mincha is the hardest prayer, especially this time of the year. When is mincha recited? You're at work. Today it was at 4.40. Amazing. You've got to extricate yourself from what you're doing. Excuse me to your client. Excuse me to the customer. Excuse me from the meeting that you're attending. Pull over on the side of the road. Make sure that it's safe, and you daven mincha. Wow! The idea is that when you're in your success mode, in chakras when things are going good, in mincha while things are going good, don't take the credit for yourself. Say thank you to Hashem for that which is going. For too many of us, our prayers are like Yaakov 
and Myriv, namely, oh my goodness, I need, I need, I need, I need. We look upon the Shemona Esrei as a shopping list. Hashem, give me this and give me that. Now the truth of the matter is, the fact that we only turn to Hashem for our needs, that in of itself is the greatest compliment to Him. But the ideal is, don't just look at the part of the Shemona Esrei of the I need, but look at the first bracha, which is Avos. God had a relationship with Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Take their names out and put your names in. Wow! God has a relationship with me. And especially look at the bracha of Modim at the end of the Shemona Esrei. And look what you're saying over there. Thank you, God, al Chayenu. Thank you for my life. Hamesurim biyodecha. Nishmoseinu for my soul. For the miracles, that you give us daily, al niflo secha the wonders, tovo secha for the favors, shebecholeis erev at night, voker in the morning, tsorayim in the afternoon. Try to count and stop when you say modim next time and say Hashem, thank you for the winking of your eye that you gave to me throughout the day. Wow. That is a bit of a different focus. So remember, the Rambam says in Hilchos Tefillah, chapter 1, Halacha Vav, there's no question about it, that while halachically, Mayriv might be called Rishus, says the Rambam that Kiblu Aleim Ketfilas Chova, the Jewish community, the Jewish world, across all borders, Ashkenaz, Svar, Hasidim, Misnagdim, everybody has accepted Mayriv as an obligatory prayer. That isn't the idea, but the message we're getting this morning is a very true one, I believe. Yaakov prayed at a time of Tzara, and we are to pray not only because there is no atheist in the foxhole, but we are to pray when times are good. And thank you, Hashem, for all the good that you do for us. Shabbat Shalom to all.